Thanks very much for joining us on this podcast today on behalf of Inangard, International Employment Law Alliance. We're going to talk today about return to work, re-entry into the workplace following lockdown, and we're going to look at various different jurisdictions. This is the first of a series of podcasts from Inangard on this issue. So today we're really pleased to be joined by Mercedes Balado Bevilacqua from Balado Associates in Argentina, Anna Cozzi from Daverio Florio in Milan, Michelle Stutz from MME in Switzerland, and Sarah Chilton, who's one of my partners at CM Murray in London, and I'm Beth Hale, and I'm a partner at CM Murray in London. So we're going to talk through today in each of the various jurisdictions what the current position is in relation to lockdown, what employers need to be thinking about in terms of the return to the workplace and how they manage that, what their health and safety obligations are, and what rights employees have if they believe that their workplace is not safe to return to. So Anna, if I can start with you, if that's okay. In Italy, what is the current position in relation to lockdown? Uh, Italy has entered a lockdown period in a step-by-step modality with a very high number of uh, low degrees, unfortunately, because it was a real mess. And in the same step-by-step mode is emerging, is tied to emerging from such period. We uh, went through three steps at the moment. And uh, and these three steps are allowing us to come back to the normal life, even if we are not completely come back to to normal life up to now, but we are trying. And the first step was on May 4th, and uh, people who were in quarantine uh, up to that moment uh, were uh, allowed to go out, but only for uh, work and as, as reasons and by bringing with them a self-certification, we should have a, a document in which we, we have to certificate which were the reason for going out from our home. And the main part of the productive activities started again, not completely, but the main part, and also some few commercial activities were allowed to open, but with reduced working hours and with a lot of separate measures, for example, you cannot enter in the shops normally, like like before. You have to enter the shop uh, one uh, at the time and with the personal protection devices on. Then the second step was on May 18, and we were allowed to, to do a little bit more than, than, than before. And no self-certification was required to travel within the same region in which we have our residence, but only to travel outside the region. And we were allowed to, to travel outside the region only for specific work and as reasons. on gatherings remained. And also we were obliged to wear our personal protection devices. And some regions could reopen some commercial activities. Uh, we have very different situations in each region, in the sense that, for example, in the north part of Italy, the, the situation is harder, and in the south, they are lucky because they don't have the, the same deaths that we have in the north. And so South is allowed to do a little bit more, to be a little bit uh, less strong in the, the safety measures. And so some regions were allowed after May 18 to reopen dressers, bars, restaurants, and obviously with the safety distances, with the personal protection devices, but they, they could reopen. And then a new law decree was issued because 
some of the lockdown emergency measures were extended. For example, the smart working modality, the right of the employee to ask for the smart working modality where was extended for employees that have children which are not, not older than 14, 14 years old, for example. And then also the parental leave was a possibility was extended. The ban on dismissal for economic reasons, which was a very important lockdown safety measures, was extended also. So you cannot, from the, uh, the beginning of the emergency up to the end of the emergency, you cannot dismiss for economic reasons. And also collective dismissals are stopped for the moment. How are employers managing if, if they feel that they need to make redundancies for economic dismissals for economic reasons? How are they managing that? They can use, for example, the emergency funds, Casa Integrazione Ordinaria, Casa Integrazione Ordinaria. And they can use, for example, smart working or also vacations or also they can provide it by law and also by collective bargaining agreement to let the employees stay home working or not working but paid. They cannot dismiss them. And then the, the last step was on June the 3rd and traveling is now is allowed in everywhere without everywhere in Italy obviously for any reason without self-certification requirement. We can also travel in EU member states and Schengen states and we have the obligation to use masks and personal protection devices, but only when we are in closed places during transports, obviously. And banner gathering has been confirmed too, up to now. And then you shows and concerts are still banned, but we are more or less came back to normal life, more or less. And does that include office workers? Are they largely still working from home or are they allowed back into the workplace now? It's very widely applied now. Yeah. Those employers need to reopen, but there are many measures that they have to put in place before reopening. So up to now they are organizing themselves and in the meantime, they allow employees to work from home. Are there particular health and safety obligations they have and what obligations do they have to their employees in those circumstances? There is a, a specific document dated April 24, signed between the government and the trade unions, uh, which listed all the uh, obligations that the employer has for reopening. And first of all, they have to carry out an extraordinary sanitization of the environment, the workstations and the common areas. They have to buy all the necessary personal protection devices that will be distributed to all employees and collaborators. They have to reorganize the, the working space because they have to keep the social distancing between employees and collaborators. They have to lay down specific procedures to organize the entry and exit from the company. For example, they can measure the body temperature to all the employees, collaborators, contractors before entering the company. They have to organize different routes and times of entry and exit in order to avoid gatherings. 
and they have to maintain the social distance, distancing, they have to organize toilets dedicated for external and internal personnel. And then once they are reopened, they have to inform all employees and collaborators of all the safety measures that have been taken from the company and the safety requirements they have to comply with to work within the company. And uh, employers have to carry out daily cleaning. It's very important that reorganize, uh, like I was saying before, uh, and they have to be very careful because they have to avoid the entry to a body who has got a body temperature about 37.5 degrees and or have had contacts in the last 14 days with the subject that tested positive to the COVID-19. A closed non-essential production department provides for employees' shift and make a large use of smart working because if it is possible, it is always suggested to, to leave mm. employees at home and working from home. And use redundancy fund is necessary. Ask employees to use their accrued days of vacation, as I was saying before. Yeah. And that's it. Take care of the, con the ventilation of the rooms because it is a, a very important measure to, to ventilate, to uh, change the air of the rooms. Uh, yeah. days. There are a lot of measures that they have to follow to reopen and they are organizing everything because they are not used to do everything. Michelle, what about in Switzerland? What sort of stage are you at in terms of the lockdown and likelihood of returning to the workplace? Switzerland also had several steps and it now, as per last uh, Saturday, 6th of June, it has severely eased again the measures in one of the probably last steps. So now it's really almost all businesses and institutions that could reopen and events for up to 300 people have been allowed again to take place. Is that without any social distancing? Of course, the requirement that the said precautionary measures are in place and if close contact occurs, the contact details of those concerned are to be taken in order to be able to trace the chain of transmission. For example, in the restaurants, we had the rule that four people could sit together as per last Saturday, there's no set number anymore, so you can go there with more people, but you have to take the names and, you know, the various tables still have to be apart for uh, two meters, but the people who come together, they can also sit together. And then, uh, of course, the big events like concerts with thousand people, etc., that will only be decided much later whether they could have these concepts, etc., again. But the important thing, I think, is now that the traceability can be ensured. There's also a law that will be passed about this proximity tracing app that is now in a test phase, but that will then be implemented on a voluntary basis. However, it's not going to be mandatory for everyone but people seem to be quite open to use this proximity tracing app, which should help to avoid that the virus could spread again. Most people, or a lot of people, are back at the office since today, actually. People that are endangered because of their health circumstances or age, they are still allowed to work from home if homework is possible. If not, they also have to come to the office, but there is an enhanced duty of care towards these people, of course. 
So the employer has to take all these measures to protect these people even more than the usual employees. Also, company meetings can be held of up to 300 people. They also opened as per Saturday casinos, amusement parks, zoos, swimming pools, etc. Then holiday camps are possible again with up to 300 children. Classroom teaching is possible again and also sports trainings. The only things that are still prohibited are sport competitions involving close physical contact, gatherings in public of groups of more than 30 people, and political and civil society demonstrations of more than 300 people. It's really interesting. When did Switzerland go into lockdown? It was around the 17th of March. So only yeah. just before us, before the UK. When was the UK? So full lockdown, well, full lockdown. I don't, it's not been as full here as it has in some other jurisdictions, but um, yeah. it starts from the 23rd of March. Oh, okay, yeah. Only just after Switzerland. But we're certainly behind you in terms of the easing of those restrictions. Yes, mm -hmm. I saw that. So maybe actually that's a good moment to come to Sarah and just, just talk about the UK and where we're at here and what employers are doing in terms of return to work. In the UK at the moment, we have had a slight easing of lockdown in that we are now allowed to, for example, go and see the dentist. We can go to more shops than we could do a few weeks ago. Uh, so some additional shops have opened. We are soon going to be opening even more shops. So some, for example, clothes shops will be able to be open from about a week's time. Uh, we can have outdoor markets and we can now, from uh, the beginning of last week, we can see some people as long as we maintain social distancing. There can be six people from different households who meet up, but social distancing applies and it has to be outside. So you are, for example, allowed to go around to somebody's garden for a barbecue and it looks to be probably quite some time until restaurants and bars will be able to be open and also until large gatherings. So there's no provision for any concerts. We have restarted competitive sport, but it's all behind closed doors. So there is no, for example, spectators at football matches and at horse racing, but those sports have recommenced. And in terms of work, the overriding message is still work from home if you can. So if your job allows you to work from home, if it's not business critical for you to be in a workplace, then don't go to the workplace. And if you have to go to the workplace, then there's been guidance issued in respect of that, which I think we'll come on to discuss in a little uh, while. In terms of other measures, the public transport system is still up and running and open. But for example, there are measures that you should be wearing a face covering if you are on public transport. So things like that apply. And I should also just add that what I've just outlined applies in England. We have slightly different rules that apply in Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales and Scotland. So they're all at slightly different stages with slightly different permutations of these rules. So be aware of that. Finally, just to add that as of this morning, the 8th of June, there are quarantine restrictions in place for people re-entering the country. So if you're coming from another country, there are some strict quarantine provisions in place that could see some people have to remain at home absolutely so not even leaving for exercise or to pick up essentials for 14 days after returning to the country there are some exemptions for that in relation to people who have to on a weekly basis for example work out of the country and that applies to people visiting from other countries as well not just people returning exactly so it's uh, mainly going to i suppose impact people who might think about leaving the uk but yes anyone trying to come into the uk and that will have a big impact on business because there's absolutely no point in traveling for one meeting if you're going to have to spend 14 days in quarantine so i don't think there'll be 
really any business travel into the UK. There are some thoughts and discussions around which countries may have exemptions to that that rule, but we are waiting to see how that develops. Constantly. There aren't any at the moment, are there? Because I know it applies, for example, to New Zealand, even though they've said that they have no cases. Exactly. Exactly. In terms of the employers and what they are doing to get ready for that return to work or facilitate return to work, what are their obligations on health and safety of staff? So all employers in the UK must maintain a safe place of work for their employees. So they all have a duty to protect the health and safety of employees. And it's relevant to note that that is both physical health and safety and mental health and safety. So employers should not just think about the physical issues, which I'll come on to in a moment, but they should also be thinking now about the mental health issues and impact of this pandemic and also on the return to work. So thinking about things like employees suffering from anxiety, either about maintaining the work from home or actually about having to go back to the office and perhaps having to travel to work or having to go back into a manufacturing plant or a factory or, or healthcare setting, for example. So all of those things are relevant when employers are thinking about the potential health and safety risks to mental health. But physical health is also obviously paramount and employers need to undertake a risk assessment before they have any of their employees back into work. They should do that as soon as possible. Even employers who may be thinking about having people work from home for quite some time to come should still be right now thinking about their risk assessment. And they should do that in consultation with their employees. And partly that's because in some contexts they need to do that in consultation with employees, but also more generally from an employee relations perspective, they will just hopefully get better buy-in and ownership from the employees and the staff as to whatever strategies they then put in place to protect the health and safety. The guidance has been released by the UK government in relation to all different business sectors. So there are different sets of guidance, for example, for educational facilities, as are for offices, etc. And so every employer operating in each different sector should look at the specific guidance. But the overarching guidance which would apply in any sector relates primarily to things like social distancing, making sure there's adequate hygiene facilities, thinking about social distancing, not only in the actual position where the employee works, but in how they will get in and out of a building, particularly if that is a shared building with, say, shared lifts, shared stairwells thinking about things like one-way systems, and also things around making sure that, well, first of all, if there's no ability to social distance at all points, then thinking about protective equipment that might be necessary to enable people to stay safe, even if they have to be within two metres of other people, but also thinking about other mechanisms. So in offices, for example, not having desks facing each other, but having them back to back, and thinking about putting up screens, so above head height to prevent people from effectively sort of facing one another and potentially being able to transmit the virus that way. So there's lots of different measures that employers will need to think about. And I think in some parts of the UK, in particular the big cities, so London and Manchester, for example, employers will also need to give some thought to the people traveling in and out of work. There are no specific obligations for them to keep people safe in that context, but it's relevant partly because it, it will feed into employee anxiety, but also because from a health and safety perspective, the more you are having your employees exposing themselves on, say, the public transport network on their way into work, the more likely that that may, in fact, increase the virus coming into the workplace. So it's a really relevant factor for employers to think about. And they are encouraged to think about alternative ways of helping employees get to work. So, for example, if they can provide parking, you know, think about that. If they can provide staggered work patterns and shift patterns to avoid people traveling in busy times. 
if they can provide bicycle facilities and parking. So employers should also be thinking about the travel in and out of work, not just what happens in the workplace. Thanks, Sarah. And Mercedes, in Argentina, I know the lockdown is some weeks behind a lot of European countries. Do you want to just talk us through where you're at in Argentina and what employers are thinking about there? Thank you, Beth. Uh, yes, well, we, as, as I said before uh, on our informal conversation, Argentina is like six weeks behind Europe in terms of facing the COVID. But we, in a way, we were lucky because we could see how the COVID acted in different jurisdictions. As in Italy, there were different stages. The first one was a very strict one where the government imposed on March 20 a very strict mandatory isolation. I mean, this was really very severe. You, you were not able to leave your home unless you were working with essential activities and you have to have a permit and the police will stop you if you don't have it in the street, you know, and send you back home or you were, if you resist, you were, you were going to, to prison. So everybody was really staying home and complying with this. Everything was shut down. Everything, absolutely everything was like a ghost country. Although the quarantine was extended, right now the situation is that in some provinces, on some jurisdictions, not Buenos Aires or the surroundings of Buenos Aires, because we are very crowded and the risk of spreading the virus are very high. So the quarantine began to flexibilize. So some activities are allowed, but not in Buenos Aires. In Buenos Aires, certain things reopen, like in a way that now you can go for a run, let's say, from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. But now you cannot go out for anything else except like going to a store to buy essentials, something like that. And you have to also have a permit, like Anna was saying. But I went out for the street and I saw people and it's more like relaxed in a way. Small stores are allowed to open within the neighborhoods, not the malls, not the restaurants, not the theaters, nothing like that. So everything like the small stores around the neighborhood are allowed to open now. Also with the mandatory social distance, you know, no more than one or two people are allowed to be within the supermarket or the grocery store. And now the kids are allowed to go out during the weekends because they were not allowed to go out. So we are a little bit more flexible than in the beginning, but we still have around the mandatory quarantine in Buenos Aires and the surroundings of Buenos Aires until at least June 28. All other provinces are beginning to flexibilize this, especially in those provinces where they don't have any significant spread of the virus. What is important to know that there is also a waiver of attending work, although you can be affected to an essential activity if you are within a risk group which means that whether you are like older than 60 years old, you are pregnant, you have any uh, disease that makes you weaker, or you have kids that are not attending school because schools are closed and you have to take care of those kids. So even though they may be affected to an essential activity, they still are away from the duty to attend work. The important thing also, like is similar to Italy, the suspension of all dismissals. And there is a prohibition of uh, imposed dismissals due to economic reasons or lack of work or force major, which has been extended until July 28. This is very tough for us uh, and for companies 
because the only thing that uh, they are allowed to do is to impose economic suspensions, which means that it's a, a reduction on, uh, on pay of at least 25% of no more than 25%, and you can waive some social security contributions. But companies are really struggling because this is the longest, I think the longest quarantine period that any country has been gone through, especially, as I said, in Buenos Aires and the surroundings of Buenos Aires. And the assistance of the government has not been significant because, I mean, unlike all other countries, Europe or US, Argentina is struggling economically before the COVID. So we are negotiating with the International Monetary Fund, our debt, and at the same time, we are handling the COVID crisis. So it's significantly, it's going to be consequences beyond the health. It's going to be consequences because the number of poor people are increasing and there's no assistance from the government. I mean, there is, but it's not enough. So companies, some of them go in bankruptcy, others are negotiating with the unions, began to flexibilize a little bit and began to regulate these economic suspensions and try to give some air to the, to the employers, uh, allowing these with, to impose these measures with some requirements. But other companies are already trying to impose other measures in order to try to reduce costs like salary pay, some measures that were not, would not be allowed without the context of the COVID crisis. So like trying the, the employees to agree on a temporary reduction of pay of 20%, modification of the working schedule, granting vacations, very similar to Italy in a way. So there is a lot of home office and remote work. But so far, the government still in, is encouraging the full pay to everyone and prohibition to terminate or to impose suspension. So that's the context now. That's really interesting. I think it's quite a different approach to the one that's been taken, certainly in the UK. The government are providing a lot of financial support for employers, but there's certainly no prohibition on dismissals at this stage, which is unlikely. Well, because Latin America and especially Argentina is one of the most employee-friendly countries in terms of protectionism towards uh, the employee. So unions are very strong here unlike all other jurisdictions. So uh, things are going to be different. The thing is that now unions are start thinking to try to include in their collective bargaining agreements regulations for home office or remote work, because that's a modality of work that has come to stay, to my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think home working will become so much more common even after all of this, even when people are allowed back into workplace, I think there will be much more of a move towards allowing people or even encouraging people to work from home more. Yeah, actually companies are making right now surveys in order to see if the employee want to stay home and work from there or go back to the office when the office uh, open. And like your jurisdiction, the offices are closed and I, I think it's going to are gonna stay for a while. Yes, there are some protocols that are put in place for all activities that employers will have to comply with when they reopen if they are not essential if they are open now everybody has said it's basically the, the same thing uh, cleaning uh, com comply with the protocols not full capacity make shifts in terms of workforce the use of masks the check on the temperature inform the employees about the temperature test cleaning the and disinfecting all the supplies uh, they have i mean there's going to be a change because the common areas 
like the dining room or what the cafeteria will have to be remodeled because of the social distance. The sanitizers, the daily and hourly cleaning process for touch point surfaces. And it's very important that here is mandatory that if you're not uh, affected to an essential activity, you cannot use public transportation. Do you can't? You're banned from using it. Yes, you are banned to using it because what they think is the way to prevent the spread of the virus. So they only allow to use the, and they have to have a permit for this, uh, to allow to use the public transportations are the workers affected to essential activities. All other ones, like the small stores, or you need to visit your mother or something like that, you have to have a special permit and you have to use your own transportation or the employer has to provide transportation, which is an extra expense for the employer, you know, yeah. this complicated situation. But I understand it because tra public transportation is one of the main focus of the spread of the virus. Yeah. And Anna, has there been much focus in Italy on, on public transport and the issues around the commute to work? Here in Italy, we have always been allowed to use transports. There have been no ban on transports, but the ban regarded the, the fact that you were not allowed to go out, but we have always been allowed to use transports. You have to use them only for work, specific reasons, work or health, and you have a self-certification review and you must use personal protection devices, but you can use transports. It has been like that always, even during quarantine. Interesting. In the UK, as Sarah said, employers have to carry out a risk assessment of their workplace. They're not obliged to consider the transport or the employees commute in that risk assessment, but it is becoming quite a big factor in people's sort of decisions about coming back to work and employers' decisions and how they manage the return to work because for a lot of people, the commute, as Sarah said, is actually more of a concern than the working environment. Michelle, is that something that's been discussed a lot in Switzerland, public transport and the risks there that that carries? Yes, it has been discussed. Similar to Italy, there was never a, a prohibition to use public transport. Of course, the schedule was heavily reduced, the public transport was almost empty. And now they have said that it's not mandatory to wear masks in the public transport, but they recommend it and uh, the people don't do it. So really in the public transport, even when it's quite crowded, there's not a lot of masks you can see. But um, here, I don't know, probably the commute is also as an average um, shorter than in the UK, I would assume. And maybe therefore the focus is not so much on the public transport from an employer's point of view. So if you do a risk assessment, I don't think that the public transport is a big part of that because now there are only a few cases uh, with the virus right now. So the chance is rather low, actually. Mm. And are employers obliged to carry out a risk assessment? Do they have to do that before reopening their offices, for example, or reopening their workplaces? Yes, uh, of course, they, they have to do a risk assessment and they have to implement uh, similar measures that already Mercedes has mentioned as regards cleaning, hygiene rules, distance, and then also, you know, put plexiglass screens where it is useful open windows, obviously change the air 
because of the aerosols and also think about parking space to ensure that people who come from far who don't want to use public transport could use parking space interesting and if an employee michelle just for a minute if, if an employee doesn't feel that their workplace is safe and therefore doesn't want to return to work or goes back to work and thinks that the measures the employer has taken aren't sufficient what options are available what rights does that employee have and what can the employer do in those circumstances as well mm-hmm. I, th- I think the first thing an employee has to do is to remind the employer and tell him that he's of the view that this is not sufficient but then if the employer doesn't change anything and if it's true that he does not observe his duty of care with respect to uh, all these measures that should be taken the last thing the employee could do then is stay home and get paid even though he doesn't work, unless, of course, he can work from home. But if it's somebody who has to work at the workplace, he could still get his salary if the employer violates his duties. And so what about in the UK in in relation to employees who think that their employers have not taken sufficient steps or think that their workplace remains unsafe or is unsafe? Employees in the UK broadly have protection in the sense that if they raise a concern, they are protected from either being dismissed as a result of that or suffering a detriment. So that might be sort of be disciplined or have their shifts changed or be denied work. And that's either under the whistleblowing legislation, which protects those employees who raise a concern through the appropriate channels, which would include to the employer and to some external agencies, that the employer is breaching their health and safety duties, but also for employees there's a particular protection where they raise concerns in relation to health and safety at work, where they should not be subjected to detriment or dismissal as a result of that. But it goes further than that and actually enables employees where they consider that they are in serious danger, that's imminent serious danger, they can not attend work or they can leave the workplace. Uh, but there's a lot of debate as to, you know, how does an employee assess whether or not it's reasonable for them to think that they are in serious and imminent danger, for example. And, you know, if the employer has genuinely taken all reasonable steps and is putting in place all the measures that the government have set out in their guidance, there will be a question as to whether or not the employee can actually leave the workplace in those circumstances. But the law is that, you know, if they do leave the workplace and they can satisfy the fact that they had a reasonable belief that they were in serious and imminent danger, then they will, again, not be able to be subjected to dismissal or detriment as a result of that. So our law does have in place protections for employees. But I think in reality, for both employees and employers, it is going to involve an element of there being a grey area in those cases where it's not quite obvious whether something is really dangerous or how serious it is. I think part of the problem in the UK is that the legislation was not written with a pandemic with the global pandemic in mind so it talks about serious and imminent danger and you can see that what they're thinking about is something sort of visible risk in the workplace in a building site something falling on your head exactly it's very different written with a kind of invisible risk in mind i don't think for largely and the other issue we have in the uk and, and i suppose what we would all say to an employee who is looking at this is you know, be cautious about what you do without getting legal advice, for example, or advice from a union, because the justice system is slower right now because it's also been put on hold in some respects. And, you know, that's the same for employers. You know, if, if you have a claim brought against you, you might have to wait quite some time to resolve that and to understand where you are and whether or not you're liable or not. So, you know, I think in all these cases, as I said at the beginning, it's really good for employers and employees to work together and consult with each other to try and agree the way forward so that you minimise the risk of disputes with the workforce.
yeah I think that's absolutely right and Anna it sounds like in Italy it's slightly different in that there have been because you have this sort of ban on dismissals during this period but are there any other specific protections in relation to health and safety and an employee's right to say actually I'm not coming into work because it's not safe for me to do so? There is nothing specifically provided for during the COVID period but employees in Italy like in a, any other country thing have the right to be employed in healthy workplace free from risks for their health and safety so as a consequence, uh, employees uh, when find themselves in serious danger while in the workplace, they can abstain if they are in good faith, obviously, but they can abstain from work without facing the risk to be uh, dismissed or subject to disciplinary proceedings. There is a, in particular an article, legal provision, a law provision in the Italian legislative decree number 81 of 2008, which explicitly allows workers to leave the workplace or a company area, which is deemed dangerous, and so they can leave the area and go home without suffering any disciplinary or economic consequences. And this is explicitly provided by an Italian law. Would you expect that to cover the situation where they think that, for example, coronavirus infection is likely? Because that's one of the big discussions in the UK is whether the, that serious and imminent danger provision would, would definitely apply in these circumstances. And I think that that remains a big question. Do you think in Italy it's likely to apply? Uh, yes, I think that to have a safe workplace is both an interest of the, the employee and the employer. So I don't think we will find many cases in which employees will leave the company. But I think if it will happen, the, the employees will be protected because we are very protective as a legislation towards employees. So I think that this will be a provision that will be applied when necessary and it will be sufficient, I think. So this, how about in Argentina? Are there specific provisions to protect employees who feel health is at risk? Yeah, well, there's no uh, specific provision right now because, as I said before, the reopening of all the majority of the business has not happened. But within the duty of safety and prevention that the employer has on their shoulders, they must comply with all healthy and safety measures that are already in place and will be put in place in the future in order to reopen their offices or their workplaces. Uh, having in mind that, with, if an employee, although there is no specific rule addressed to the uh, COVID situation or COVID measures, if within that duty, if the employee feels that or knows that the employer has not put in place the required health and safety measures for them to, or for him or her, to be safe to go uh, and enter the workplace or attend the workplace, then he can demand that to the employer. He has to have some evidence that this has not been complied with, uh, of course. So he can demand that to the employer, and if the employer denies to do so, then the employee will be entitled to consider himself constructively dismissed and claim from severance compensation, which right now we don't only have the prohibition to terminate, but also 
there is a mandatory double pay in case someone considers himself indirectly terminated. So that's going to be an expense for the employer, you know. It's not only the mandatory severance, but also the double of the mandatory severance. But to my perspective, I mean, considering that someone will consider himself constructively dismissed within this context of crisis and with this context of losing so many jobs and positions and the crisis of the whole country, not because only because of the COVID, but because of the economic situation that I said before, yeah. I think the tendency will, will be to try to keep their job positions. And Michelle, was there anything specific in Switzerland in relation to employee protections here? Yes, I think the specific is when I hear all of you that in Switzerland employees are not very well protected. I said before that, I mean, they could say, well, I don't come to work anymore if you don't implement these measures employer but the employer is still free to terminate the employee and such uh, termination would be seen as abusive dismissal but it would still be valid and he could only get up to six month salaries uh, and the courts are very le- reluctant to give six month salaries so maybe he could get two or three months salaries so he will probably think twice before he says i stay home and don't come to mer- work because mm-hmm. he he can really lose his job because we have the the freedom to terminate contracts in Switzerland, which is very employer-friendly, of course, and which is, I think, unique in Europe, very unusual. Yeah, quite a different approach, isn't it? Yes. Brilliant. And Sarah, was there anything else you wanted to add just from a UK perspective before we finish? I think we would just encourage employers to be mindful of both the physical and the mental health risks at this time and to really think about connecting with their workforce at really early stage to communicate what they're thinking and what they're planning including by way of risk assessments but also just the timing of any plans to return to work a lot of big employers in the uk have recently said that they don't anticipate anyone will be back in office work until 2021 and so that brings about the question amongst a lot of other employees as to you know what's happening with me and that can bring about quite a lot of anxiety so we would sort of say as a first step plan ahead and communicate what you're doing and take your employees with you as you do that planning. And I think from a global perspective in terms of employers who have multinational employers who have businesses in all different jurisdictions, I think having some kind of obviously that there, there can't be complete consistency because different countries are at different stages of lockdown and different stages of the ability to return to work. But I think trying to trying to have some level of consistency across those different jurisdictions would be helpful as well. Anna, was there anything you wanted to add from an Italian perspective? Sorry, you're still on mute. I think that we have got uh, some more additional steps to go through and to come back to normal life. And uh, let's see how they will go. Finger crossed. And <laughs> yeah. To me, normal life feels a little little way off, but I think, you know, different countries, yeah. you say, are at different stages, aren't they? And it's, it'd be really interesting to see. And fingers crossed, as you say. Mercedes, Michelle, was there anything else you wanted to add? Just um, that hopefully the frontiers of our country are still closed, except for repatriation of citizens within Argentina. So I think things will take a little bit more time than Europe, at least. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As I said at the start, this is the first in a series of these podcasts about different lockdown restrictions and different return to work strategies in different countries. So listen out for the next podcast coming shortly. Thanks very much for listening.